Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadley boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to talk about wrestlers that hated working for WWE. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamblin to talk about his article, 10 Wrestlers That Visibly Hated Working for WWE. And, well, we were just chatting about this before we started recording. This doesn't really work on a podcast, but this was inspired by an image, wasn't it? Uh, the only way I can describe it is, if you've ever seen one of those photos of wrestlers at an airport at like 2am and there is this giddy WWE fan going, oh my God, the Miz, can I have a photo with you? And they're like, oh yeah, all right, I suppose I better smile for it. And it is the most tacked on smile that you've ever seen. It's the face that the rest of us would pull when you pull out that crap gift from that crap relative on Christmas Day, I suppose. Um, but yeah, the Stinger generally is a professional aside from this image, isn't he, Hamlet? Yeah, and like a fitting example as well, because overexcited WWE fan at an airport pretty much describes Kane, who is also in this picture, looking very happy to be Kane, promoting some sort of fast food. It appears to be some sort of like food delivery company alongside Sting. And, it, you know, this is Sting working for WWE because he was very briefly in the system and probably on a Legends deal and probably asked to do these things from time to time. And yeah, his expression is one of a man just trying to get through it because he forgot that he'd agreed to 10 additional tasks as well as working WrestleMania or getting that match with Seth Rollins or whatever it was. And it's um, this was a Ben Roy Turner find, by the way. He comes in with a, often slides into your DMs with some of the dankest stuff imaginable. And very <laughs> occasionally it kind of inspires you to talk about other things to do with pro wrestling. What's great about this is that like it's in such stark contrast to who Sting was and is. He's such a professional, such a pro. He lived through the very worst of WCW, but stayed loyal to that brand to the bitter end. And in doing so, rarely, if ever, looked like he didn't want to be there. There was one exception to that rule in TNA, when, of mm -hmm. course, he was as pissed off with Jeff Hardy as you would expect to be if you were trusting your body with somebody else that turned out in no condition to perform. Um, but otherwise, always looked a complete pro. 
when TNA also burned around him. It's why he probably looks so happy to be in AW because it feels like he's finally landed somewhere that isn't going to screw with him. Um, yeah, stinks. Almost, almost never, apart from this one time, delivering food with Kane, never looked like a guy that was miserable to be on the clock, despite that clock being punishing. Uh, some of the others in this list, of which you can read about all 10 on whatcoach.com, were not so great at masking their disdain. Do you reckon they said, uh, do you mind saying Scorpion Death drop right to your door or something <laughs> along those lines? And he's like, take the bloody photo and let's get on with this. Uh, let's start, though, Hamlet. With something you and I have talked about a lot, but I've never actually got around to 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 experiencing until just before we start recording this, and that is the moment you really knew with Cody Rhodes, I'm going to set up my own bloody wrestling company because this is a load of bollocks. Yeah, like so about a year ago, just over a year ago, I stumbled upon um, a video. I was doing some research on a particularly boring period for Cody Rhodes. It was something to do with Stardust and. You forget they're there, right? But in the bowels of YouTube are so many of those post-RAW interviews that are only ever designed for YouTube or WB.com, you know the type. Like 10,000 hits, very occasionally one will pop because a wrestler will crack a joke or cut this promo that you can't believe they're cutting because they never get the opportunity to do so on television. Something will happen that will make Sammy Zayn will make Becky Lynch corpse. That kind of stuff. Sonya Deville destroying the whole women's division with one promo that time. Um, saying that she was going to be the man's daddy. Um, all like there's there's loads of them where they just like they're fun for Twitter for a day and then they sort of disappear. Well, this was one that never even made it to Twitter because Stardust at this point was just so irrelevant. It comes from 2016, which is obviously just months before Cody calls for his release. And it's basically a first draft of the fantastic promo Cody cuts, the uh, head of double or nothing. His match with Dustin Rhodes. If you recall, that build featured him in a darkened room. There was just a black screen behind him, and he was cutting this impassioned promo about it wasn't going to be about destroying his brother at AEW's first pay per view on this the stage that he had built. It was more about destroying what his brother represented. It was more about Cody Rhodes, the talismanic figure of the nation all elite wrestling, destroying a relic from the Attitude Era because somebody in wrestling needed to do that. Wrestling needed to move forward. And Cody rationalised that in order for wrestling to move forward, he needed to destroy his brother. It was like quite a nice link he mm. formed between Goldust and the Attitude Era as a way to build that match. Really super effective. Truth was, he'd cut that promo when he was still under WWE contract. He finds himself backstage with Eden Styles, mm. wink, wink. And he makes a little joke in the promo about, oh, I suppose you want me to talk about what Stardust thinks of the cosmos. Or maybe even, as he pokes Eden on the nose, how Stardust spends his nights. That's a nod, of course, they're shagging. Um, But yeah, he just goes into detail, not about space, or about the fact he's dressed up like his brother because they've ruined a pretty cool thing that was going between the Rose brothers, but about how he wants to fight Goldust. Dressing as Stardust is not about him being an astronaut or a cosmonaut. It's about the fact that he wants to destroy his brother. If he can destroy his brother, he can destroy the Attitude Era. And what's interesting about this is that in the promo that he cuts about destroying the Attitude Era and about destroying the relics, as he puts it, um, old men talking, young men dying, the old men he refers to as the people that need to get out of the way so the <laughs> likes of Cody can have a chance in life are Kane. Fair enough. The Big Show... <laughs> And Mark Henry. <laughs> so, what? as well as this being a, a fabulous promo of a guy that was 
deeply pissed off about smashing his face against the glass ceiling, especially with all that was to come for Cody in the years that follow. What we can also take from this is that once his governor duties are finished, I think we can expect the big red machine as Rampage's new commentator, can't we? <laughs> that's the that's the natural like thing we can take from this. What's really cute as well, why I tweeted this at the time was not because he named Big Show and Mark Henry, because this was a full year before those would sign for AW, but the fact that it was also coming off a loss to Jack Swagger, somebody else that presumably felt that he was kind of going nowhere in mm. WWE and someone that would also find us quite a fortunate, but quite an entertaining second life in All Elite Wrestling. Yes, I think uh, looking back on it now, it's amazing, like you say, how, like you say, first draft, it seems, for that that brilliant promo and also encapsulates quite a lot of the feeling one would assume that a lot of people who jumped or formed AEW probably had about the legends and their position mm. within certain companies or just wrestling in general. I should say, by the way, happy birthday to Eden Styles or Brandy Rhodes, as she's better known. It's her happy birthday, birthday Happy birthday to her. Um, I try, I try not to like, you know, I try to name five people from this list, usually Hamlet, and say, if you want to read the others, go and read about them, whatculture.com. And I want to talk about Ronda Rousey next. Mm. But in passing, I have to talk about Tucker because sometimes <laughs> it's just a look, isn't it? Oh, God. Oh, God. I remember reviewing this role with you and Sidgwick and all of us feeling so sad for Tucker that we didn't have it in our hearts to just rip the piss out of a bad role match. Like, how often are we forced into ripping the piss out of a bad role yeah. match? At least like at least three times every Tuesday. Raw's, Raw's really bad. <laughs> Freezing cold take, Raw's terrible. <laughs> um, Tucker never had a storyline with Otis. If you recall, um, he... Did his like, I don't know any of you people and explanation stuff backstage after the turn where there was a pull apart between Otis, who at this point had gotten up and was like raging backstage to try and find Tucker. And that was it. That was the most we got of a heavy machinery payoff. And then Tucker reemerges on Raw with new gear that doesn't look great, with a slightly updated look that doesn't look great. And then in possibly like the biggest indignity of all is set to lose to Ricochet. I mean, <laughs> Who the frig in 2020 loses to Ricochet? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, you just felt so sad for him. And what better contrast was there than when he got released? You know, we, we do these podcasts about wrestlers getting released. It's never nice to see when the company makes billions and billions. But some of the wrestlers almost don't realise how happy they can be with that news until they get it. Mm. Like less than 24 hours after Tucker got the call or the text or whatever it was he received, there was just that brilliant picture of him on a golf course with a tab or maybe a disco tab hanging out of his mouth where he effectively alluded to making lemonade out of the situation that life had thrown him. He looked 10 times the man he did when being presented by the biggest wrestling company in the whole wide world. <laughs> None of this is a dig at sad Tucker. It's a dig at WWE making Tucker sad. Mm. Uh, and as I often say on this podcast, from Tucker to uh, Ronda Rousey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Obviously, uh, I'm sure there's many lists where they share column inches. Um, yeah, Ronda Rousey's like endlessly fascinating one year with the WWE took a really strange turn in late 2018 because, and you only have to go back to listen to our podcasts or read any articles or watch any videos to know just how big a fan we all were of Ronda Rousey collectively in WWE. There seemed to be a, something of a tide building against Rousey because she'd come from mixed martial arts or because it was 
seen that she was being given too many opportunities in the spot that she was in. Um, what those people who were kind of forming that criticism failed to realise is that she was awesome in it. She was a ready-made star that lived... I think living up to expectations is an understatement how great Ronda Rousey was from the off. Like, she surpassed expectations in a way that possibly only Kurt Angle had mm. in the decades prior in terms of what you could expect from somebody versus what they so quickly delivered. Just banger after banger after banger from a completely believable kicker um, that was routinely booked in positions that highlighted her positives and hid her negatives, the way that every wrestler should be booked. It was just a perfect storm. Um, another perfect storm, though, formed in late 2018 when Becky Lynch's attempted heel turn formed the man, which in turn formed a heel turn that was never going to take. The man was destined to be this major, and you could feel it. And God, it was exciting. We regularly revisit that fabulous killers dub of the man um, that was made right around this time. I think, I think that video peaked with the segment we're about to address here, which is of course, Nijak's breaking a face and ruling it out of survivor series. She's just never been hot there. And the thing about getting injured around Survivor Series is people are immediately getting excited for you going to WrestleMania. You know, people mm -hmm. can look at the Survivor Series as a missed opportunity and see the Royal Rumble as a perfect way to line you up for that WrestleMania push. And it was just all coming together for Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch gave Charlotte Flair, a wrestler that she developed a mutual respect with because of their awesome matches, the nod to take her place against Ronda Rousey. So Charlotte was in the very rare space of being something of a fan favourite because she mm. was doing Becky Lynch's bidding six days after Lynch was supposed to do it herself. The match that we were unfortunately robbed of was replaced by another banger, like Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. Jesus Christ, one of the matches of 2018. Um, but of course, the story was that Charlotte couldn't beat her. And the longer the match went, the more she realised that. So if you recall, she rolls to the floor, she gets a, a kendo stick, or it might have been a steel chair at first, but she takes the disqualification. She knows it's not going to be her night, so instead she just tries to enact some physical violence upon Ronda's person. And then fans really quite like seeing that. And they like seeing more of it. And Christ, does Charlotte Flair give you more of it? Ronda Rousey gets the worst beating she's suffered so far. Again, you have to remember that Charlotte was acting as an advocate for Becky for the night very much the kind of guardians of the women's division pushing back Ronda Rousey's dominance. She wallops her with that kendo stick, leaves her laying, and Rousey revives herself, gets back up to her feet, and looks around, presumably hoping to receive the response that she's received so far in WWE, and the crowd mercilessly boo oh. her. It's a moment that stands as a monument to how over Becky Lynch had gotten in such a short space of time. This is not about Charlotte Flair. And to be honest, it's barely about Ronda Rousey. This is about the fact that it is the man or nobody. The Daniel Bryan effect is like has happened again. Daniel, it wasn't ever about Roman Reigns. It wasn't about Batista. It wasn't about Rey Mysterio. It was about Daniel Bryan or nobody. And the same thing was happening again with Becky Lynch. That was exciting. Ronda Rousey found herself the unfortunate victim. And bless her, had absolutely no idea what to do with that. She'd been cheered vociferously for all these months. She'd been pushed in line with those cheers. And now the fans were practically having a conga at the sight of her getting kendo sticked with an inch of her life. The scowl she shot this audience, this confused resentment of this crowd that she couldn't understand. They had no choice but to lean into it. The face was so, like, the face was so hurt and scorned that it was at this point that they tweaked the character to come out and start talking about how she, if they weren't going to respect her, she wasn't going to respect them, which of course was perfectly aligned with Becky Lynch becoming the people's choice mm. anyway. It was a series of events that were kind of out of Rhonda's hands that for one night 
she couldn't and didn't particularly want to take. Mm. It's like you say, you almost couldn't script it in terms of, like, Ronda Rousey has had some dark times throughout her career. I'm not just talking about WWE. Her time in UFC was obviously blighted by those two huge knockouts she suffered at mm. the end of her career. She, you know, she got knocked out by Holly Holm. And, uh, you know, at the time, as an MMA fan, there were the people who, probably more casual fans, um, because, you know, they don't appreciate what she's done for for female MMA in particular, in terms of just really putting on, like the reason why UFC got a female division was probably Ronda Rousey, if I'm honest. But people people are always there, ready and waiting. You see it with anybody, whether it's footballers or wrestlers or MMA, like Conor McGregor is another perfect example. The moment they fail, people are like, right, knives out time. So Ronda Rousey suffered that loss with Holly Holm, disappeared, came back. There was all this, UFC were kind of done with it all as well because they were like, that's it, she's (laughs) back, she's serious now. And they put her in with arguably a worse opponent in Amanda Nunes, who's one of the most dominant females in all of MMA, Amanda Nunes knocked her out inside like a minute or something. And uh, and again, she just sort of went away and she, you know, you'd only really seen her uh, in the past year or so, uh, maybe like sporadic appearances that had already been, you know, filmed, i.e. like popping up in the Entourage film or popping up in the Fast and Furious film. So she sort of, you know, if you, if you delete all social media on your phone, she sort of avoided that fan reaction. She goes to WWE, like you say, she's welcome with open arms. She impresses, everyone loves her. And it was this point it turned and it was like, oh, this is the thing I've been trying to get away from. And like you say, it just, it was perfect in terms of transitioning. I mean, I still don't think you really needed Charlotte Flair in that WrestleMania main event to this day, because they were just such brilliant polar opposites, both ass kickers, but one who'd, you know, earned the support of the fans and one who'd, yeah, taken one moment and gone bollocks to you. I thought it was just perfect. And and this was, like I said, a moment that you couldn't have scripted, Hamlet. Absolutely not. It's um, it's often, you know, the the magic that we often look back on from some of these great moments comes from the unscripted or comes from pivoting well from something unexpected. Um, it wasn't perfect. You know, let's not um, sort of just look through rose-tinted glasses at all of the build between Rousey and Becky Lynch, but it's, ultimately it was always going to come down to a dynamic, and that dynamic was right, even if some of the week-to-week stuff stumbled along the way a little bit. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be 
big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, let's talk about a few more entries in this list. As I said, you can check it out at whatculture.com. 10 wrestlers that visibly hated working for WWE. And as ECW fans love to say, let's talk about December to dismember, Michael. <laughs> because Paul Heyman, it's the meme we've all seen, the, the, the hand over the face meme. Uh, Mid-pay-per-view encapsulated what any, any hardcore ECW fan, any WWE fan, felt about that cursed pay-per-view and particularly that cursed elimination chamber. Yeah, I love this image of Paul Heyman. Um, obviously, he's, it's partially a work. He's um, covering his face at the plight of the big show, who was mm. his representative, and Hardcore Holly, who was also in the Extreme Elimination, elimination Chamber to try and protect um, the big show as ECW champion. So, like, there's it's not an entire shoot. But in, in the place of Sabu, that went down well as well on the night, didn't it? Yeah, like this is the thing, like it's it's one of them times when a wrestler is working, but is using their shoot feelings to get across <laughs> the work. And what I love about this picture, and it's taken from the show itself where the camera cuts to get a reaction from Paul Heyman, is that a square of the Elimination Chamber perfectly frames the mm. palm over his face. He is stood in front of a structure that should be nowhere near an ECW pay-per-view. It's a very, very, the Elimination Chamber is a very, very WWE creation that has been imposed upon a w, an ECW pay-per-view um, that they've slapped the word extreme in front of. I know we've talked about this before. The idea of trying to fit like weapons like tables in those pods is so funny <laughs> to me. Like it's one thing to have like maybe a crowbar or a chair or a hammer where you can run out the pod with this weapon in your hand. Can you imagine the admin of trying to get this table out the second your pod opens? Like, give a minute. No, give me, actually, can you give me a hand? It's a two-person job, this. Like, <laughs> just so ill-advised the whole thing and obviously Paul Heyman's cut this promo before the match itself where he's I forget the exact phrasing but it's something along the lines of ECW will continue without Paul Heyman but and again it's another one of their moments where yeah technically it's in character but we all know what's going on here and he's just had to sit this is the main event he's had to sit through two hours of this complete disaster piece and he knows he's out the door within a few days he's been clashing with Vince Man for months he's tired and he wants to go home. And I think when you want to go home and you can't, you want to pretend you're at home. How do you pretend you're home? You put your hand in front of your face, face and picture a happy place instead. And that's what Paul Heyman is doing because he just cannot bear to look at what's happening in the ring anymore. What was once his ring that has been taken off him by Vince McMahon? Just looking at the, the card for this show, like I understand that obviously the opening match was actually well received. It's the Hardys versus Eminem. Mm. Of course it is. That's going to be great. Rest of the card, <laughs> Balls Mahoney versus Matt Stryker in a Strikers Rules match that went seven minutes. Oh, God. 
Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkey versus the FBI. That went six and a half minutes. Divari, uh, or Divari, as he was known, of course, back then, defeating Tommy Dreamer in seven minutes. Ariel and Kevin Thorne, he of Mordecai fame, of course, defeating mm-hmm. Kelly Kelly and Mike Mike Knox again in seven minutes. I remember this pay per view uh, vaguely going off the air after about two and a half hours, and people are like, "Sorry, this is still pay per view, right?" Like, <laughs> yeah. Imagine that, an extreme elimination chamber. I know we moan about it, and we're such hypocrites. Went twenty four minutes. How do you oh, even get everyone in in twenty four minutes? Like, fair play to them for that, at least. I, like, it's funny, you know, like, the we, it's hard sometimes to articulate how rapidly and disastrously standards have fallen in WWE, specifically in, like, I would say 2019 and 2020. Like, the pandemic has obviously had this strange effect on things, and I dare say when WWE bounces back with crowds, there may be, like, this stay of execution for this product, but this product's in real trouble. And I do think we do so many podcasts and we do so many reviews where it feels like maybe, oh God, we're just bashing, we're just bashing. Like, it's in real trouble. And we are saying this because we care. Like, it's becoming immune to analysis. It's becoming, like, impossible to spot the bad from the just critically awful because so much of it is critically awful now. That WWE was good enough in 2006, 2007, that this was an outlier. A 24-minute elimination chamber match being one of only two pre-advertised matches on an entire pay-per-view was like a disaster. This is like, you know, up to 2020, maybe 2019, but certainly 2020, this was like number one in all time or worst lists for so many reasons, like so many things, bad show, bad main event, bad card, bad build, bad matches, whatever. Like there are so many worsts that this used to tick off that WWE like has knocked off the podium in 2020. Like, I could probably think of five pay-per-views that were worse than December to December from 2020 alone. <laughs> and the thing is that like that the pandemic will always be the excuse for that. But it's when crowds come back that we'll see if they're promoting what looks like their real show that can be as bad as this was. Because yeah, push comes to shove, right? And I'm saying this earnestly, like I'd sign my name to this. I would rather watch the Extreme Elimination Chamber match again than Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly from the last takeover. Oof. If gun to head, if you ask me that I had to sit through one, I know which one I'd pick. Mm. I do. I'd like I'd extend beyond that. Um, I'd rather watch it again than Karen Cross versus Keith Lee. I'd rather watch it again than one final beat. And like I'm using examples specifically from NXT because this is held up as WWE, the best version of WWE. Mm. And I still think it's more indulgent than the Extreme Elimination Chamber, which for so many years was like a flag waving worst ever. It's a re- it's it's the reason we're talking about Paul Heyman putting his hand over his face. It's a goddamn embarrassment. It's a mess. And yet, twenty four minutes and forty two seconds looks pretty goddamn attractive compared to some of the things we serve these days. It's also just that I'd love. We've heard all about it, but I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation of like, cool. So Bobby Lashley wins. Oh, what? Yeah, Bobby Lashley's going to leave as his ECW champion. All right. Obviously, him and Big Show at the end. Right. Um, uh, and Sabu, <laughs> yeah, we're getting rid of him. Uh, I think were, I did a thing about this, a, a voiceover the other day about him just yeah, not towing the party line, let's say. Yeah, yeah Sabu, we'll get rid of him. We'll, we'll, we'll just jump in. We won't tell people about that. We'll just do that on the night and just throw it off. <laughs> cool. Uh, what about my two favourite people, uh, Rob Van Damme and Sabu? <laughs> uh, they'll both be gone by 15 minutes. But, but, yeah, and CM Punk's going to go first. Rob Van Damme's going to eliminate him. 
<laughs> I love that. Like, yeah, but Vince, uh, CM Punk's been undefeated for six months. It's kind of the biggest thing we've got going. Well, all right, then we'll have your second biggest babyface pin him. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> that, remember, remember as well, the time context. Always, always, always remember this because it's something that I can't forget. This is a month after CM Punk got louder cheers than DX at the Survivor mm-hmm. Series. And Triple H put his arm around him and you, that arm might as well have had a knife in its hand because it was going straight in his straight edge back. Uh, let's switch things up and instead talk about the lovely Gail Kim, uh, an absolutely wonderful woman. I've interviewed her. I've been lucky enough to interview her uh, at WrestleMania weekend uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, she was she was very nice about what she was doing at the, at the time, about her career, a bit of her tongue about WWE. But it was written all over her face when she was working there, wasn't it? Oh, God. Immaculate patter from Gail Kim. Just as smooth as most of her work. And it's nice to reward her for that because WWE never rewarded her for her quality um, almost ever. It yes, was her... look back and see Gail Kim back then. Like, yeah. just be one of the few standouts in Divas and then mm-hmm. just go, no. Nah. Vince was obviously, we've heard all the reports, don't get it, don't get it, don't like her. Don't, and just give a crap like this. Absolutely. One of the few um, square pegs in a round hole at the time in WWE, just not destined to fit in this diva era, as you as you call it. Um, and her second run with WWE as well, she'd uh, pioneered the knockouts division in TNA mm-hmm. um, and had signed back on the strength of her performances, of course, legendary main events with Awesome Kong and like other stuff she did as well, like that wasn't as trumpeted. That knockouts division was imperfect, but she was like a guarantee of a certain quality bar. So like when she was wrestling pretty much anyone as a knockouts champion, it was going to be one of the better matches on impact and people were paying attention to that. So WWE sign her back, but it's still a divas division. She's still forced to do photo shoots and gimmick matches and Santa's little helper and all that nonsense. And there's just this great still that I managed to capture ahead of this battle Royal on raw, um, which a lot of people know about, but like some people might have forgotten because it comes from that to like 2011, early 2010s hinterland, you know, where like a lot of people have, switched off the product it's a raw battle royal and she's grinning at the bell while like a lot of the other wrestlers are kind of doing their natural poses and stuff like that and she just whispers something to natalia and i don't know what the planned spot for gail kim was maybe it was i like to think that natalia was supposed to eliminate her after a couple of minutes and she's maybe whispering to natalia something along the lines of uh don't try and eliminate me you know, maybe whatever spot they'd had planned for the elimination. Bear in mind as well, because it's women and WWE were hideously patronising. You didn't even need to go over the top rope. You just had to fall out of the ring. That was how they considered, like, the athleticism of their women at the time, was that you didn't need to go all the way over the top. So you could just fall out the ring and you'd be eliminated, which <laughs> Gail Kim orchestrated for herself. <laughs> the bell rings. She has just explained something to Natalia. Um, one of the Bella twins, I'm sorry, I couldn't tell which it was from behind. I'm not just being a misogynist. Um, swings a punch at Gail Kim, which she knows sells because she's en route to a corner where she exchanges in the tiniest bit of offense exchange with Alicia Fox. And then, much to Alicia Fox's confusion, just rolls out the ring. She's just <laughs> had enough. She knows the contract's coming due. She knows that. And, like, sure enough, right? She nails it because she rolls out the ring, like, hands together, job done. I'm goddamn out of here. TNA will be on the phone. They'll want me back as soon as my contract's due, which it was very soon. She never wrestled for WWE again. Um, and the commentators, being the commentators, don't acknowledge that that thing has happened. 
they're just calling the match and then like they're paying attention to something else. Jerry Lawler's eyes have probably popped out of his socket. And then you hear Michael Cole at one point saying, I think yeah, Gail Kim's just been eliminated. Like that line may have well been fed from Vince McMahon because he probably never noticed, probably didn't notice her coming back through Gorilla, probably wasn't picked up on by anybody in the company until days later where the forums, the pre-Twitter wrestling forums are having a lot of fun with it. Imagine if the internet existed when Gail Kim eliminated herself from a battle royal, Wilbur. Um, this one's going to run, isn't it? Um, like I was just just really really funny. Like lots and lots of patting on the back for Gail Kim online, at just giving two of them to Vince McMahon. And then sure enough, when she did return to TNA, um, it was against Tara, who was the former Victoria, somebody else that had looked at the landscape of the Divas division and thought, I need to go somewhere and wrestle before my prime years are over. <laughs> so she goes to the Knockouts division. She reinvents herself as Tara, um, a Knockouts champion. And in a nice bit of trivia. Um, when Gail Kim debuted for the first time in WWE in 2003, she won the women's title in a battle royal, last eliminating Victoria. So it was great that these oh. two things had come full circle and they'd landed where they needed to be. Wonderful stuff. Love Gail Kim. And yeah, absolutely the right call by her. And it's just, yeah, it's the it's the smile of like, see you later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that match. Let's conclude then by a person who appears twice on this list and also surreally is someone who you and I are counting the days until he pops back up presumably heading to SummerSlam I'm talking of course of Brock Lesnar he's had a he's had a roller coaster time in his in his WWE career hasn't he over the years total legend Absolute total legend. As we've said before, the man who's been waiting all of his life for a pandemic to come along uh, finally got finally got his wish in uh, in twenty twenty. I want to. We'll do WrestleMania twenty first if that's okay. Because yeah. there's something overt about that. Obviously, everybody knows the story. Everybody's seen the match. Everybody knows the whole crack. Word had got out that Goldberg and Brock Lesnar were going to be leaving pretty much on the same day. And what was supposed to be a dream match, this battle of the titans, was instead going to be a farewell from, uh, well, a less than fond farewell from New York to the pair of them. This is basically WWE's biggest home fixture of all time. WrestleMania 20 at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> right? It's just, it's Sunderland at the Stadium of Light. It's Manchester United or Trafford. It's uh, all the big teams at all their cauldrons. Um, spot my bias if you can. And Brock Lesnar and Goldberg are getting a send-off for the ages from New York. WWE is at least mindful for this and, of course, has booked the match not only for Brock to lose to an also departing Goldberg, but for Steve Austin to stun them both. So they're kind of aware of where this is all going to go. But Brock, with that same last night in the job vibe that Gail King's got, just not only, if you remember in that Goldberg documentary where he reveals what Brock said to him at the start of the match was like, I don't give a fuck about these fans. So that's how he helped Goldberg tune all that sound out was Brock, Brock the young man, saying, you don't need to give a fuck about these guys, and neither do I. We're out of here. We're giants. We're rich. We're fine. And then he gives them the double birds before he gets the stunner. It's, it's that one last way that he gets huge heat before Steve Austin, the natural babyface in this situation, gets to drop him on his ass. You know, it's like, it's quite, it's of all of that, it's quite pantomime, isn't it? Mm. What's not pantomime? is footage that we all could not stop watching when it first aired on the network. Brock Lesnar lobbing the universal title in Vince McMahon's decrepit face after that disastrous WrestleMania main event against Roman Reigns. And like, why not? Who wouldn't want to throw a belt in? I wanted to throw something in Vince's face after watching that. It was frigging (laughs) half five in the morning and I'd just been fed one of the worst WWE main events of all time. This for me, right, is way sort of... 
it's way better than just hilarious footage of an old man having his meaningless title belt thrown in his chops, right? There's two reasons why I love this. Number one is the story that broke afterwards that apparently Shane McMahon tried to front up to Brock, which, funny, when you watch the video, Brock's already out the room. Strange, that, isn't it? Like, God, I'll get him, I'll get him. Where's he gone? Uh, I'll get him, I'll get, like... I'll be back. Somebody, please, I'll be back. Brock is already half out the door by the time that Shane McMahon's popped off his chair to have a word. I'll get him for you, Dad. That's the reason why that's the reason why Vince McMahon does those long happy birthday tweets to John Cena and almost forgets his own sons. But so I love that. I love I love Shane's vanity. He's he's trying to re-fantasy book the WrestleMania match he never got, isn't he? Ultimately. Mm-hmm. But what it says to me that I don't think people talk about enough, Brock Lesnar isn't a mercenary. Because would a mercenary give this much of a toss about the quality of his output. Mm. Like, I don't think he would. He, what? if nothing else, Brock Lesnar values his value, right? He knows that what has just happened out there is extremely damaging to the Brock Lesnar brand. Mm. If you remember, for anybody that doesn't, fans were so like certain that Roman was going to win the title that they booed Brock hitting seven F5s on him because they were just expecting Roman to keep kicking out. <laughs> booked Roman to not kick out like he lost he did actually lose so like and he got his head caved in along with it oh Jesus he opened him up with that elbow again the disconnect had never been wider between WWE and understanding how to put Roman Reigns it was a it was a low for everybody involved um including Brock who throws the belt at Vince is just more than happy to get out of there as quick as he possibly can it's if there was ever a way of saying no Vince I'm not doing Raw tomorrow night I'll see you in six months pal <laughs> it was um it's great. Like the belt was a piece of garbage. The match was a piece of garbage, and Brock Lesnar very literally treat it all as such. Love it. Absolutely love it. Don't look at this and think that that man doesn't care about the spot. Think about it that he actually does. Also, like the idea that maybe as he was waiting in Gorilla to go out, he's thinking, oh, you know, the crowd's calmed down a bit, mainly because they had to sit through really awfully WWE'd version of AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I'll never forgive them for that. Mm. He's waiting there. He's thinking, oh, getting a bit louder now. And then in walks back through the curtain, Nicholas, who says, follow that. And he's, oh, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> An eight-year-old or 10-year-old, whatever he was, has just won the tag titles in four minutes with Braun Strowman. I'm never going to be able to top that. I think it's just a good job Brock didn't win the Universal title off The Fiend, because could you imagine him throwing that and somebody would be like, cost six grand that, pal! <laughs> that stupid clown mask going halfway across Gorilla. I sense uh, there's going to be plenty more of these sort of entries. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Especially maybe in the coming few weeks, months and years of WWE. But if you want to read more about it, as I said, check it out. Whatculture.com. 10 wrestlers that visibly hated working for WWE. Great fun as always, this amplet. Uh, let us know your thoughts on what we've discussed at WhatCultureWWE on Twitter. And uh, if you want to get Michael Hamflet, you can find him at... Michael Hamflet. You can find me at Adam Wilborn. Find us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcast. But this has been another top 10 debate. My thanks to this article's author, Michael Hamflet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.